Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? There's so much stuff I want to talk about. It's been a long time. We're going to kick off number 13 of the Don't Go Outside podcast. If you were, uh, if you were a Star Trek guy, who do you think you would? Who would we be? I'd be Jordy LaForge, because I like his cool sunglasses. Oh, that he God, wears. his cool sunglasses. Yeah, you can see everything. Yeah, he's better than his real eyes. He was like, <laughs> I remember in the first episode of TNG, he was like, "Yeah, medical science has progressed to the point where I can just get new eyes." But this visor is like better than anyone's eyes, <laughs> so I'm just keeping this. I think I'm a Riker. A Riker. Yeah. I thought you're. I think you're more like a wharf. I'm not a fucking wharf. <laughs> you're a Klingon. Yeah, he's like. He just, they just sent him like wharf as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you can have wharf. We sent him wharf, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they think that's what we're all like. <laughs> oh, it's <Wharf>. like <laughs> wharf. <laughs> hey wharf. <laughs> Warf, how are you doing? Warf. <laughs> My name's Warf. It's Warf. It's Warf. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Warf. Warf. It's my, it, you pronounce it Warf. Yeah, but it's got a Warf. That's a WH. I'm, that's what I'm saying, Warf. I'm saying to Warf. That's, you make me so angry, I'm going to fight you in the Morak Taka. Okay, back on track. Back on track. Welcome. <clears throat> we got a lot to talk about this episode, so let's get serious. Episode 13. Of the Don't Go Outside podcast with me, Pat. And me, Robin. Hello, guys. Let's go. That was a cold open. It's like we're on Saturday morning radio. <laughs> Hard <laughs> talk. <laughs> so, well, welcome to episode 13, Hard Talk. What have you been doing? What, have you got any catch-up or follow-up since the last episode? Because I certainly do. Yeah, man. Hey, guys. Back in the high pitch. I couldn't keep up the seriousness. The seriousness is hard to keep up. Um... Yeah, so I've been playing some Zelda. Mm-hmm. I've been completing some Zelda. You completed it? Uh, yeah, I took my sweet time about it because it's one of those. It's a game where if the mood so takes you, if the mood takes you, you can run straight to the straight to Ganon, straight to the boss. Mm-hmm. As if, like, I think my issue when we talked about it before was that all the uh, all the supporting characters are shouting at Link. Link, Zelda is keeping Ganon at bay right now and there's only so much you can do so you need to get your ass in gear and go fight Ganon as soon as humanly possible go do it so if you wanted to full RP and be like oh shit okay <laughs> and just run towards Hyrule Castle and fight Ganon you can do that if you want but I don't recommend it because he's difficult you get your ass kicked you get your ass kicked especially with the starting armor of just uh, a shoddy shirt and some ripped shorts aren't you naked don't you start in your pants you start nude but the first treasure chests you find within the first two minutes have clothes in them hmm. and then you get out of the temple and they're like then you get the exposition uh so you can start with the very basic stuff like a rusty sword and a wooden shield that's, that's just silly i like the idea of link as if he's waking up late for work one day <laughs> like oh god i didn't have time to shower i haven't brushed my teeth i'm reeking a booze <laughs> <laughs> i'm here to fight ganon ganon just like Stamps on on Link. Um, it's, Link's poor hungover body. Yeah, um, I might try that in the next playthrough because I'm going to play it again at ben- yeah. eventually. 
But yeah, no, I think it's it's really cool because the more stuff you do, the more that plays into the final boss. Yeah. Because there are kind of four temples. Well, four kind of giant robots you have to, to uh, reactivate um, so that ghosts, spirits of Link's former allies can shoot lasers towards Hyrule Castle. Right. And that... Uh, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't. But that really, uh, really helps in the final battle. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do that, I mean, you're in trouble, son. But also, why wouldn't you take your time with it? Uh, a game that has taken so long to make, that so much love has obviously been poured into it. Yeah. Like, I really, I, I was ready to fight. I was ready for the final boss, like maybe ten hours before I actually completed it, because I was like, I'm going to explore more. I'm gonna make sure I've got enough enough hearts. Make sure I've got good good equipment. Just do some side missions. I discovered a whole southeastern part of the map that is essentially irrelevant. It's just there. And I, they they didn't do anything with it. I just wondered. I was like, oh, here's this little village and some mountains and a and a jungle. You don't need to go there at all. Wow. It's like pretty cool. I mean, it kind of leaves the gate open for like future DLC. Um, and the DLC was announced, by the way. I'm not going to go into it because it's uh, it looks really good. If you want to find out about Zelda DLC, just look it up because it's because <laughs> there's a lot of it, and uh, I've got a lot to talk about. So I'll just skip over it. But there's DLC coming. Um, it looks great. Extra story stuff. Yeah, so I completed Zelda. Um, Did you 100% it? Or? I haven't 100%ed it because you have to do a lot of tedious things it's one of those right. games where you have to because you get the uh the sheikah slate you take you can take photographs of everything and just build your database up you have to take photographs of everything and i mean all the food that's available all the little animals the little tiny little birds that fly around butterflies all the weapons the monsters are easy because like monsters run at you so you can just like take a quick selfie <laughs> like literally just pictures of blink like with his thumbs up while there's a giant beast like charging towards him <laughs> that's always fun so that's easy enough because uh, the monsters just readily come at you, but everything else tends to run away from you. I read a cool article where a guy was like, yeah, I just played the game in first person through the Sheikah Slate <laughs> and just took photographs of anything that was highlighted. So they don't leave it like, you've defeated the boss and now the world is free for you to explore. It's like, you defeated the boss and now the game is over. So it's one of those games where you have to go back to the save before you completed it. Yeah. Um... Which, from a role-playing level, feels like Link. For me, Link gets to the very front door of Ganon's lair, and he's like, uh, "Actually, I've got a, I've got some. I said I'd go gather some wood for this guy <laughs> in a town 500 miles away. Yeah, I should probably go do that." <laughs> the guy's like, "It's okay, I will wait." <laughs> Meanwhile, Zelda is just withering away. It does leave a bit of dissonance, you know. That, that I don't like when games do that. I mean, at least, I hated the way Red Dead Redemption ended, but at least you get the chance to explore afterwards. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, they could have easily done it where you've defeated Ganon, but there is still more work to do. There are still monsters roaming around the world. Mm-hmm. There are still people with problems. You need, we need to rebuild the world as it once was before the great calamity Ganon came to be. Yeah. It would be so easy just to record those few bits of dialogue and put you back out into the world, but... um. Alas, no, Nintendo got tired. And they thought, ah, we don't want to do that. We'll just, and maybe uh, it's just not Nintendo's design philosophy. Maybe they think that your story should end at the time of and when, it did when feel they like say it, it ends. Yeah. And 
if Nintendo had it their way, the the game cartridge would dissolve at well, the end of the credits. I mean, think about it this way, right? Um, if you think about it in the terms of like what makes a story and what makes a story special, part of it is the end. So how many times have you had an open world game where you have finished the boss, you've gone and fucked about, and you've forgotten about your character? I can't remember where my character is in Fallout 4. Yeah, I often he think... Still, he still exists somewhere. I often think my about my Fallout 4 character just... I don't even know if I finished the story, but I kind of got to a point where I was like, for me, the story is over. Yeah. And she's just... Because I didn't end it. I didn't end on good terms with... with with Sean. Yeah. Didn't end on good terms. Had a massive argument. And the way I was playing it, like, my character was just a bit of a mess. So she's just out in the wasteland, as far as I'm concerned, just drinking herself to death. Well, this is the thing. Which is pretty bleak, but that's kind of no. what Fallout 4 was for me. Well, it's like, for me, it's like, with open worlds like that, mm-hmm. if you don't have a proper end, then your story doesn't get a proper end. Yeah. All that happens is you slowly get bored of it and then let it go away. I don't think that's Nintendo's design philosophy. I think they should say, like, you have ended the game, and now it's over. You can play it again, yeah, but, like, you've played it through. And I, I respect that design philosophy, honestly. I mean, it makes sense, and ending the game, was really, it was a really nice ending, and I had a little kind of, like, had a really nice moment. I was like, this is a really nice ending, everything's cool, and it felt like a good ending. Basically, at the same time, my whole thing with open-world games is that there is a sense of urgency... But for some reason, you have to like collect flowers, gather wood, do all the little it's things. The, so it's the dissonance of the open world game. Exactly. It's like you can't so have the cake. Way can't have your cake and eat it as well. Speaking of cake, no, I'm not going to talk about cake. I am going to talk about The Nice Guys, which you mentioned you started watching and never finished. I still haven't finished in a The previous Nice Guys. Podcast. <laughs> the Nice Guys by Shane Black is an incredible film. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed really, what I saw of it. Really liked it, but. What I realized, I was like, I was watching, I was like, this is very similar to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Which is another Shane Black film? Which is another Shane Black I've film. I've heard it's also very good. It's very, I always, it's kind of the film that, well, is that certainly for me, put Robert Downey Jr. on the map. I was going to say, I think that's like Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback. Yeah. You know, it's like, he came out of rehab, he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and everyone's like, oh, I remember Robert Downey Jr., isn't he that drunk guy? And he's like, not anymore! <laughs> I'm the super charismatic Iron Man. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. <laughs> um, so I watched... I think it's really, really good. Yeah. This one is very real, which I enjoyed. Um, the characters are all completely believable. There's like... And you know what? I, I really like comedy violence that draws attention to how just ridiculous violence actually is. Mm-hmm. So it's not... The violence in Nice Guys isn't like over the top or anything. It's just... It, it draws how stupid violence is in general. Yeah. Like, it's just dumb and ugly. Um, and, like... Well, I think it doesn't need to be over the top because it's set in the real world. Yeah. So, like, little things, like, do hurt. Like, a guy gets hit by a car and he's pretty much, like, done. Yeah. Right, so that's just, I think that's about as far as I saw was the guy got hit and then I finished my dinner and I was like, I'm off to do something else. But, hey, I want to watch the rest of it. So, I recommend it, man. Yeah. Go back to it. Yeah. It's just some things you you must have filmed like that that you've just left. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, but I can't remember. But yes, nice guys. I've watched. I enjoyed. Thought it was great. Cool. Excellent. Well, I'll. I mean, that's good reason for me to go back, so we can talk about it more. 
this is going to become the nice guys. We'll have a nice guys segment. Nice guys cast. A little 70s music in the background. Um, I just wanted to say, now that I'm done with Zelda, I've realized that uh, my Switch isn't really doing anything. <laughs> um, I mean, we're going to have some more Nintendo chat later on. Yeah. But as far as this, my Switch stands at the moment, if I'm not playing Zelda, I'm not using it. And I've completed Zelda. Um, I think I mentioned last episode, there are a lot of little indies on it. But I had a little kind of... I made a little... I made a decision, Robin. Oh. I'm, I'm done with indies. Oh, really? I'm done... Well, not done with all indies. I'm done with indie platformers. Oh, but Hollow Knight. You've not played Hollow Knight. Well, I can tell you right now what Hollow Knight is going to entail. What? You're gonna, you're gonna. So basically, you're gonna run around a few levels. You're gonna have to attack people and pick up gems, and at some point, you're gonna have to fight a giant, a bigger boss, and collect gems from him, and move on to another level. Well, one, you don't pick up gems, and two, you could apply that that description to pretty much any game ever. Well yes. done for being so reductive, Patch. Oh, I made you angry. <laughs> No, I'm just saying. I've listen, talked about Hollow Knight before. Indie I, platformers. Why? I, I mean, just I've played. I feel I've played them all. Yeah, but I feel. I feel. I just think for indie platformers, like saying, I've not seen anything. I suspect what's happened with you here is that you've played a lot of bad ones. Because that's like saying I'm never going to play a first-person game again. I think because as a I've genre, played too many Call of Duties. As a genre, I feel like I'm kind of. I'm not. Okay, to clarify, to be less harsh, I feel like there's no point in getting super excited about every indie platformer that comes out, which I was doing for a while. Right. You know? So this is your own fault for overhyping yourself. Maybe. Don't try and turn this around on me, Robin. It's, it's your own psychology <laughs> that's to blame. Rather, It's because you haven't seen, you know, you were getting too excited for everything and now you're burnt out. Maybe. Just got you like a little puppy, just got all excited... <laughs> Now you're a bit grumpy and tired. That's I just happened. don't want to spend money on an indie platformer when that's all the Nintendo eStore has to offer. Yeah. Apart from ARMS, which is like 50 fucking pounds. <laughs> <laughs> ARMS, anything... If I Like, the thing is, if you have a... My point is, Robin, if you own a Nintendo Switch, ladies and gentlemen, and you are on a tight budget, be prepared to play indie platformers for the rest of your life. <laughs> because that's all they've got. Um, it's pretty. I think it's just my frustration at, at the Switch, really, um, as now translated to this kind of disdain for indie platforms. I mean, I have to say, you did know this going in. I did know this going you, in. You like this was one of the first but things like you said. Like a fool, I was blinded by love. You you were just like, I want my Zelda box. I want my Zelda. This is box. exactly what you said because yeah. I talked about this very openly when I said I I got a PS4 because I wanted to play Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If nothing else had been released for a PS, the PS4, I'd have been happy with my Bloodborne box. And I feel I got my money's worth out of my Zelda tablet. <laughs> but I kind of... I want some more money's worth now. I just... I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm itching for more. There's The Switch has so much potential for decent games. Yeah. Right? Um, and I feel that at the moment it's not quite delivering on that potential. It is very early in the life cycle of the Switch. But this has translated in a frustration at indie platformers, which is somewhat unfair. Maybe I'm pointing my anger in the wrong I think, direction. I think you might be, considering that I think, so far, Hollow Knight is my game of the year. Really? Yes. Well, maybe I'll give it a look. I look forward to collecting gems 
I'm fighting a big boss that's slightly bigger than that's a slightly bigger version of other enemies I've fought. I'm such a douchebag. <laughs> um, um, I mean, there was a game on there called Wonder Boy, which has my attention a little bit. Wonder Boy. That's what I think whenever I see it. It's called Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Curse, Quest, Crown, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're kind of a little dude. You run around with a sword. You fight enemies. You collect gems. The art style looks really good. Um, but it's... Uh, I just... I don't... I don't feel strongly enough about it to take the plunge, you know? And don't. I'm not gonna. That's okay. Steam sales on it. I can waste my money on other shit. There you go. Let's move on from this mire of your hatred of indie. Yeah, it's... Um, um, oh! Which... Cuphead. Cuphead. Now, that is an indie game. I am actually... Looking, indie platform I'm looking forward to. Yeah, there's there's some footage at E3 for it, I think. There was, and um, it uh, it re it sparked something inside of me, being like, you know what, maybe you're not all bad. Well, I think that Cuphead is going to be the what was that Mega Man Shovel Knight? No, it wasn't Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight was amazing, but what was the Mega Man Kickstarter thing? Oh, Mighty Number no. Nine. Mighty, no- I think that Cuphead is going to be the Mighty Number no. Nine. That we all actually want. I think it's going to be the 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 the, the game that Mighty Number no. Nine was striving to be. Yes. And the game that we, nah, not the game we deserve. That's too much hyperbole. But no, I think it's probably definitely the game. No, that... I think it's just going to occupy the space that Mighty Number no. Nine should have occupied. Yes. Yeah. So instead of being, and it's something very different. It's the same as it's the same as Shovel Knight. So Shovel Knight's a very different IP. Very different thing and very functionally different to mm-hmm. Castlevania games and Metroidvania games. However, it's in the spirit of Metroidvania. Yeah. Rather than being Metroidvania, it's taken that spirit and modernized it. I suspect that Cuphead is going to do the same with Mega Man. I think so, yeah. And it looks really beautiful as well. Huh? Do- well, I mean... Yeah, it's like hand-drawn. It's hand-drawn, man. It's crazy. That's what? How do you hand-draw a video game? Lots of time. Oh, Christ. Um, do you like... Draw the code on little graphs. Well, squares. what I really want to see is actually because there's going to be some very clever animation techniques they've used mm. to like cut corners and stuff. Because obviously, you can't be. They're going to be rendering at 60 fps or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be quite a high a render a refresh rate. But they're going to draw it in a style that looks like old animation, yeah. so they'll be able to kind of cut frames a little bit. So right? I think it's going. To be, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's like they do with the Lego movies to make them look like stop motion. Is that they'll film them? Do they film them at sixty FPS and then not, and then skip a few frames, something like that? I don't know. Because you couldn't get away with something like that. I, I don't know because it would have all these ramifications for responsiveness of controls. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know that if if the makers of Cuphead want to do a lecture on their animation techniques. Mm-hmm. God, I would watch that. That'd yeah. be amazing. A little TED talk. Uh, that'd be brilliant. A little, uh, little uh, v- uh, video essay. Yeah. <laughs> Get Nerdwriter on it. Get Nerdwriter. Nerdwriter. Uh, we know you listen to the show. Um, could you do a video on Cuphead, please? Nerdwriter would if we asked him. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> he does, actually. Seems like a lovely chat. Yeah, we're calling you out, Nerdwriter. I'm going to send you this and say we called you out. Can you please <laughs> talk about Cuphead? Explain something. <laughs> Um, so use your soothing dulcet tones and your handsome face to talk about Cuphead, please. And just steal everyone's girlfriend. Or boyfriend, actually. Just steal everyone's Escape everything. Ride Reek, maybe steal their boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, Black Panther trailer. Oh, yes! 
like this has been this has been in existence. The Black Panther trailer has been out for like two weeks. I only yeah. discovered it like a night ago. Hey, yeah. I was like, who? When did this happen? And holy fucking shit! Best Black- Marvel film trailer I've ever seen, hands down. Mm. I I've not felt this hype this hyped for a Marvel film. I think it's sudden hype. Is it not? Is it not the hype of being like Black what Black Panther? Where would you come from? It's everything. It's just what a trailer. It's a pretty good trailer, I have to say. Like, my God, futuristic Wakanda. Look at that. It's Wakanda looks good. Yeah. So cool. I had a talk with a friend recently about Ant Man. I rewatched Ant Man recently. Yeah. And I enjoy Ant Man, but one of my gripes with it is just like standard superhero movie. Like it just kind of ticks all. It just ticks all the boxes. Man is down on his luck, gets superpowers, saves the day. Doesn't quite get the girl, but he, I mean, he, in the way he does, like he he gets to see his daughter again, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets a cool job. He's not in prison anymore. It's just it's a decent film, but it just ticks all the boxes. What I like about Black Panther and what Marvel do sometimes with uh, they did it with Thor is that they just kind of it's not a superhero movie. It's like a weird like fantasy movie. Yeah. So he's a superhero, but he lives in this weird, like, crazy science fiction world that yeah. we know nothing about. So it'll have the chance to not only introduce a new character, but new concepts. Well, it introduces an entirely new aspect of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. But, and I just think, oh, most mainly black cast from what the trailer looks like, just... My one worry... Yeah. Is that they might look cage it a little bit? Look cage it because from the, the trailer, the little tune in the trailer is really good, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like they went for hip hop because like did they did they go for hip hop because oh of course we're gonna do hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any other business to attend to between? Um, yes, if we're gonna talk about upcoming movies, I would like to discuss <clears throat> our favorite subject. Yes, the Star Wars. And the upcoming Han Solo movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I've just been reading a few news articles recently about how it is fraught with problems. The production is just uh, seems a bit, oh dear. a bit all over the place. Uh, they had two people directing it: the directors of the Lego Movie, Twenty One Jump Street, and these are like the same two people directed the Lego Movie, uh, Twenty One Jump Street, and something else I can't remember. But they had them on board. To do uh, the Han Solo movie, yeah, um, and they were fired because their their directorial style, they, the way the story, the way the story's been told, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but their their directorial style is very improvisational. Mm-hmm. So they'll just kind of show up at like two in the afternoon when everyone's been there since like seven o'clock in the morning and be like, okay, guys, we're gonna just gonna do a few shots, uh, just improvise your lines, have a bit of fun, just joke about it a bit, and we'll film that, and that'll be the movie. Whereas, like, a giant franchise like Star Wars, in a film written by Lawrence Kasdan, who's, like, known for, like, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, this is Star Wars. <laughs> you can't just fuck around with Star Wars. Um, so they got really, like, controlling with it. Everyone was kind of... Everyone was frustrated with the way they've been... Um, they've just been treating it. Like, it's all just a big... They can, like, laugh in the park and be like, oh, it's just Han Solo. He's a witty, charismatic... Char- Arguably correct. He's a witty, charismatic character. There should be some fucking jokes and and jokes and japes, goofs and gaffs. Yeah. Just like, hey, I'm Han Solo. Let's just let's just 
tell jokes. Um, but yeah, they were sort of like, guys, you can't do this. So they fired them. They got uh, Ron Howard in. He's directed serious movies in the past, big old biopics and Jesus. And um, and the guy who's playing Han Solo, whose name I don't remember, they've had to get in an acting coach for him. Be like, you're not doing Han Solo enough. So <laughs> here's someone who uh, who can teach you how to be a bit more Han Solo. Uh, so yeah, so acting coach fired some directors, oh, wow. brought in new directors. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, that sounds like a shit show. Sounded a bit sketchy. The same way that um, that they got rid of Gar- Garth Edwards. Garth or Gareth Edwards? I think it's Gareth. Gareth Edwards for Rogue One. They mm-hmm. essentially got rid of him near the end of Rogue One and got in a, a more, a more uh, quote-unquote professional director to reshoot some scenes and turn Rogue One into the masterpiece that it became. Um, and uh, Didn't you dislike Rogue One? Yeah, did you not hear the sarcasm that was yeah, layered? Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, Garth Edwards was still credited as the director because he did most of the work, but they got in a serious guy to be like, this is Star Wars, you need to treat it with respect. And when you take Star Wars too seriously, that's when you lose the magic. Well, that's when you lose what fucking Star Wars is. Star Wars is people dressing their kids up as stormtroopers. Goofing about in space. That's what... St- yeah, Jesus a new hope Christ. is like a caper. They just fucking run around the Death Star like we're trapped in this trash compactor. Like Star- yeah, it's ridiculous. Star Wars is the the fight between good and evil. Mm. Like everyone knows, there isn't such a thing as good and evil. It's, it's a tiny it's- little green man beating a trash can with a stick, fighting yeah. for rations. Okay, yeah, I, I don't like it when people treat Star Wars too serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, treat it with respect, but like, don't treat it with like the same respect you'd give. You're dying. Well, don't control it. That's what yeah, the, don't control that's it. That's what the Empire would do. That, that's what the evil Empire... Be the rebels. Don't yeah. be the Empire. Well, ironically, the Empire, the big Disney Empire, have their have their tight hands over it. Their big Mickey Mouse gloved hands <laughs> <laughs> around it. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to just uh, touch on Han Solo for a bit because... Um, you wanted to touch Han Solo for a bit? I wanted to... Well, basically... I wanted to be smug because I'm being proven correct that we're getting too much Star Wars and it's being... Don't be smug that we're getting a bad thing. <laughs> never be, never experience schadenfreude against Just yourself. Being proven right. That's not a good good experience. I Speaking... told everyone that too much Star Wars is a bad you thing and here we're going. I don't mind. Well, I told the ten people that listen to this podcast <laughs> that too much Star Wars is a bad thing. Speaking of things I'd like to touch, Wonder Woman. Oh, have you seen Wonder Woman? I can talk about Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I had spuds in it as well. Um, yeah, did you like it? Yeah, man, Wonder Woman was decent. Wonder Woman was incredible. Yeah, yeah, can good on you, DC. You did a good they, one. They pulled it back. They really pulled yeah, a blinder. Just, just yeah, I mean, it wasn't a blinder. Like it looked decent. I thought it was a blinder. Like I yeah. was really, I'm really, really on board with Wonder Woman mm. as like as a franchise, as a character. Just great. Mm-hmm. like enough humour it, it was it was they, that was their film that they proved we can make a superhero film they think they really needed one you yeah know? well what I, I mentioned this to you briefly off air but it's like almost like the studio had been too controlling over films like Superman and Superman versus Batman yeah and so it's almost like they deliberately bombed Superman versus Batman to be like, you know what? Give give us more creative control. 
Otherwise, we'll do this. Yeah, yeah. And look at what we can do when you give us creative control. And we can give you Wonder Woman. uh, Take note, Disney and Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Like, just give let the people do what they want. I mean, hold the reins a little bit. Obviously, there's some still some Snyderverse in there. Yeah. Or the slow, there's a lot of uh, a lot of slow motion. But, was, but so, some of the slow motion was very well done. Yeah, I mean it worked, but it was still like Zack Snyder slow motion. There was there was a couple of bits that I thought were pretty odd. Um like there was this whole bit about, oh god, I've killed the big bad guy and people are still at war. Um but what if what if it's not there's no big bad guy uh-huh. and uh, it's actually just people are good and bad all along. Mm. Oh wait, no, here's a big bad guy. <laughs> Better kill the big bad. Well, like, you gotta have a big. I know, end. I know, I know. But I just, I found that very funny. I did not like the villain. Uh, no, the villain was a bit I, shit. Well, I thought the villain was—he's a decent villain. I thought the guy. Why did they pick that guy to play the villain? Strange. He looked really out of place (laughs) in that giant suit of armor (laughs) with his CGI muscles when it's just like an old man's, like old British skinny man's face (laughs) with a mustache. Well, I like that actor. He's in like Harry Potter. (laughs) He's—I don't remember his name. I don't know his name. Yeah, I've seen him as stuff. He's really good, but to make him like a a god of war in a giant, like giant metal CGI armor, like shooting lightning bolts and. You know, jumping about. What? Seemed odd. It did seem very odd. It took me out of it a little bit. Um, However, it's like, you know what? Just a good film. It's overall. decent, yeah. Like, they touched on, like, post-traumatic stress disorder in a mainstream film. Yeah. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. Um, you had, like... I like the whole structure of the film as well, where it's like... It was almost like a complete uh, bait and switch. It was like a sucker punch, the film. Because mm-hmm. it... The whole thing built up to the point where Wonder Woman crosses the trench. The whole film was what everyone expected the film to be. You know? Oh yeah, Wonder Woman's got her powers and stuff, but ultimately a man's going to lead the story. Mm. That's what everyone thought the film was going to be. And uh, Chris Pine? Pine. Chris yeah, Chris Pine. Pine. Um, he played the sort of like, oh yeah, I'm a tough guy, but this is kind of strange. Uh, a bit confused. Mm. And then after the point of the crossing the trench all the other male characters were just like yep she's the boss take it she's the boss <laughs> yeah yeah and like um chris pine uh, chris pine actually did a wonderful performance in this of just the hapless like get him i don't really know what's going on uh, yeah. but i'm just here for the ride uh, she's really main guy here yeah not me um and he, he did a really good for job me that's that. perfect for chris pine <laughs> not, not being I'm not role. a huge fan of Chris Pine I think he was good in that role of just being like I'm here he, he, I think he did really well uh-huh. I'm here for I'm here uh, for the female tickets yeah um, yeah decent to see fucking Spud in there as well I, I mean, wasn't expecting that man yeah it's it was good. good good to see a wee leaf boy do well I know it? right <laughs> brilliant um, so shout outs to our uh, to our Scottish bros in yeah. Hollywood I mean we know you listen uh, man, he, he would. He was uh, doing signings at FOP of Trainspot 2. should have gone along and been like, here's a podcast. We talk about your movie. <laughs> we talk about how it's mainly about you. <laughs> like, we did this. Spud's story. It's it, true. However, Wonder Woman is not Spud's story. <laughs> well, in many ways. There were a couple of things I found problematic. So I found, uh, oh, we've got an American Indian chap. What's his purpose? 
<laughs> you said that like an 18th century <laughs> tourist. Oh, there's an in, in, this Indian American fellow who's been showing me the ropes. Uh, gave me a pipe earlier, and I'm not entirely sure what <laughs> was in it. We had an Aboriginal North American who. And a Native American, you can say that. Uh, whatever. It's 3076, Robin, you can say whatever you like. Insert whatever is least offensive. So there was an, an American Indian chap who. Basically, his only purpose was to do smoke signals in the film. No, his purpose. His purpose was to teach Wonder Woman that the good guys used to be bad guys. The world is not black and white. We lost the he. They won a war. Now they're losing a war, and the war that they won was the war against me and mine. It just. It very much felt like uh, a bit labored. You know, oh, he's the old. He's wise. All the troops think he's a cool guy because he's a pacifist and he doesn't really fight in the war. He, he does smoke signals. It's like, come on. This is a film about female empowerment. Like, you could at least, you know, cast a little bit of side eye to the fact that maybe we shouldn't be, you know, leaning on stereotypes. Like, but yeah. maybe let's not do... But yeah. No, that's fair enough. To be I, honest, minor gripe because he was a very minor character. Very minor character. Um, all the, the support, they were a little squad. They were all quite cool characters. In the they world, were, right? He was my, the only one I had a great with. Yeah. And also the fact, fact of like, see when you do a flashback... So the the fla- the whole flashback scene where uh, Wonder Woman like gets herself back together, then kicks the God of War's ass. Um, her flashback? flashback. Yeah, she has a flashback to what uh, Chris Pine's character had said to her. Oh yes, yes. Don't ever, or, uh, filmmakers, don't ever have a flashback to something that happened less than two and a half minutes previous. Yeah, it was in a bit your weird, runtime. right? That's just lazy. Because I was just like, oh, that's what he said. Yeah. Like weird. Uh, it's, uh, that's lazy filmmaking. Also, it's like. Surely she should have been like, oh no, humanity's worth it. What I would have liked to have seen more, what I would have done in this sense, is obviously she loves Chris Pine, and Chris Pine's been this boss of like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice myself because that's, you know, what just a good old fellow would do. Uh-huh. Um, why why have I become from the 18th century? I really like how you kept saying Native American chap. Like, you were <laughs> just like in a bowler hat with a little curly moustache, <laughs> just stepping off the um, steam train. At, at, what at I would have level. liked to have seen much more is instead of that being the thing that made her re-strengthen and be like, I love humanity, mm. is that if she'd seen Dr. Poison without her mask, and then she'd seen what had happened to Dr. Poison to make her the way she is. And to be like, oh, and that's when the revelation happens, that, oh, she's like this because she's had a terrible life. Mm-hmm. This is what made her the way she is. She's not inherently bad. She's bad because of bad circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then that's what empowered her to like overcome Aries, you know, rather than just going, "I feel the power of love," mm-hmm. and that felt it just felt a bit trite to me. Probably evil because she's called Doctor Poison. I think. I she- mean, you're not gonna get a job as a pediatrician could <laughs> be called Doctor Poison. If I'm honest, I don't think that was her birth name. No, it wasn't. But like, what a shit name for a villain. But it's like you <laughs> know what I mean? Because she's <laughs> called like Doctor Bad Guy. She's been she's been this evil doctor badass, you know, making poisons. She was shit. A, she was like she was a decent. Uh, antagonist, but I just figured Doctor Poison. I think that's the name in the comics, so you can't change it. You can change it. Mm. You can change a lot of things. Marvel changes things all the time. You know, Jarvis used to just be a butler. Yeah. You know. Regardless, um, but there's this point where she's looking up and she's absolutely terrified because Wonder Woman could just crush her with a fucking. Oh tank. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that would have been the perfect moment to humanize her. Because mm. that would have been good for the audience. Yeah, because she kind of well. sort of says, "You're not worth my time." Yeah. Whereas she could have been like. 
oh, you poor dear. Like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, oh, you know, you've got to be pretty fucked up to want to do the stuff you're doing. Yeah. And there's reason for that. And it could have been, it just could have been more clever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. However, those gripes aside, great film. Loved it. Loved mm. it. Decent movie. Well well done, DC. You... I think they're clawing it back. See, I think what they want to pitch themselves as is just serious superhero films. You know what? I would be totally okay serious with Serious super, superhero films are fine. If we have Marvel doing silly superhero films and we have DC doing serious superhero films... I mean, DC, in the 80s, when Frank Miller got involved, they were like the serious superhero films. You yeah. know, we did uh, Year One... Well, it was mainly Batman, like Batman Year One, The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. It was all just like, you know, what if superheroes lived in the real world? They had real world problems. But yeah, I mean, did you see the Justice League trailer before the film? No. Well, I mean, so they they were running a new Justice League trailer before the movie, and like, it looks decent. Like, I'm up for going to see Justice League. Um, despite the fact that the the little uh, the goons the henchmen they're fighting they they look like flying monkeys out of Wizard of Oz. Oh my god! Yeah, it's weird. They're like all like winged beasts that fly around. Um, but <sighs> speak going if we're if we're, they were going serious like they're not really showing that in the trailer. It looks like another sort of like we saw Guardians of the Galaxy. So here's a bunch of cool rock songs. Hey, well, I mean, if you look at their track record, they've done one good to a few bad. So. They might do another bad one, but we'll see. Well, I'm not. I'm not turning my nose up at Justice League just yet. I'll, I mean, no, I'll go. I will go see yeah. it. I, I will be going to see it. Exactly. So, look forward to our probably doing an episode on. I that, think I imagine, we'll do an yeah. episode on that. So look forward to that. <laughs> That'll be a good one. Yeah. Um, um, can we do a little uh, Robin's Book Club? So long as I can uh, bring a comic book. Oh yeah, you can bring a comic book along. Oh, cool. I, I forgot that you can't. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't have pictures, you can't really read it. Can I you? can't. I kind of need pictures to. They, they don't. They didn't have school in the wasteland. <laughs> um, I mean, so, even before the wasteland, I couldn't read. So I have been reading, The Long Earth by Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter. Okay. Terry I, Pratchett. I know Stephen Baxter. I do not. Well, I only got into it because of Pratchett, obviously. I'm a massive Pratchett fan. However, um, it was on sale for like 50 pence or something. Ludicrously, le- no money. You're an audiobooks guy, right? I'm an audiobooks guy. Um, so it's on Audible? Yes. Please sponsor. Quickly explain Audible for me. As if we are sponsoring. Because I wanted to get it recently. Oh, genuinely. So, yeah. So, Audible, you pay, do you, you have a choice to either pay a subscription yeah. or just have an account and buy the books. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. And with you, with a subscription, you get like one credit or two credits or three credit or whatever, and a credit can buy any book regardless okay. of how much it costs. So you can get a sixty pound book or a fifty pence book, however, it just costs one credit. But you can just have an account and just buy the book. Yeah. Oh, okay. So because I, because just this does sound like a plug, but I did want to get an Audible account, but I was like, I don't want to have to pay another subscription. I'm already paying for Netflix. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got other bills to pay. It's one of the best things I've ever done because it just makes reading books much more convenient. Thanks, Audible. Um, we'll have to cut this because this sounds like a stealth ad. I mean, it's just, it is a. I mean, it is a stealth. You're not getting. It's a stealth ad. It is pretty. I kind of already feel gross. Like we're not being told. It's fundamentally it. unethical. And we have to cut it. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Long Earth uh, by Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter. It's really interesting. So the 
it is very high sci-fi, uh-huh. which is good for me. But essentially, the whole thing is there's infinite Earths, but none of them have humans. Oh, okay. Yet that we yet. discovered. I mean, it might, there's quite a series of these books. One of them's called The Long War. So okay. I suspect that we'll probably interact with something else. Anyway, um, but you can... Uh, some crazy physicist guy invented a box that allows you to flick a switch and either go west or east. Although that that terming, terminology is arbitrary. You're just going one world apart uh-huh. in one direction. Um, and then released these plans on the internet and then disappeared. Okay. And then... So that's called Step Day when that happened. And everyone built these boxes and then now you can go into all these different Earths. But the one rule is you can't carry iron with you. The justification is it's, it just doesn't work. You can't cross dimensions with iron. So that means you can't bring technology across. Mm-hmm. And you can't bring the means to bring technology across because all of this stuff has iron. Uh-huh. So it means as soon as you go to a new world, you're basically you're basically starting again from the Stone Age. It's like a real life, not a real life. It's like a Rust or Minecraft. It's kind of it's kind of like that, <laughs> but um, it's really interesting uh, because and it's set quite a long long time after Step Day. So some of the near near Earth Earths, like hundreds of like, years. Um, no, like within a lifetime, the main protagonist oh. was there on Step Day, uh-huh. and now he's an adult. Um, so within the near earth earths they've started they're pretty habited you know they've managed to bring stuff along enough enough technology that's non-ferrous to set things up get things going mm-hmm. build basic infrastructure and electricity out of what's there on the earths already can I stop you real quick if they're not humans what are they? Uh, they're earths that the way they would have been oh so there is an earth of humans but the other earths are like ancient earths yeah. okay they're, they're what Earth would have been without people. But they all have small differences, like the continents are in different places, or all these sort of things, minor differences. Some of them are still in ice ages, some of them aren't. Some of them are tropical jungles, some of them aren't. Okay. All of this sort of thing. Um, so is it different points in history, or is it just alternate timelines? Just alternate timelines. Okay. Is the easiest way to think of it, about it. However, all of these high sci-fi ideals aside, what it actually raises for me is... A post-scarcity economy. Um, because the vast majority of scarcity falls down to space and energy. Right. These are what it, these are generally what it boils down to. This is what drives scarcity and this is what drives an economy. So as soon as you have infinite space, so you know, you don't you don't rely on anyone anymore. I could just up sticks with me and my my partner and just go away yeah and that's that's it and then that that kind of that you're you're then in a place where what actually happens to your economic policy at this point they haven't actually where nobody needs anything no one really needs anything um i mean they still need some stuff but it's not you're no longer in the point where supply and demand matters so much anymore right they haven't really gone into this the sort of politics of it as much as they want to, because they want to make it. They want to make a fun book. They don't want to make a Robin book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at some point you might have to touch on that. Um, anyway, because I guess for me, like when I'm trying to come up with like worlds to write and stuff, you kind of have to think about all the aspects of it. Yeah. For the characters and the stories to feel real. I, I mean, I have no doubt they will have thought about uh-huh. this because obviously Pratchett's an incredible human writer, and I'm sure Stephen Baxter's very 
competent. But ultimately, ultimately to the narrative, at the moment, yeah. it doesn't matter. Not everybody likes Lord of the Rings. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and it, not everyone wants an encyclopedia of a, of lore. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want, but I'm, most people don't want that. Yeah. And what I would really like is a book with a relevant wiki page just attached. Uh-huh. Um, so I can just cross-check and I can understand more bits about the world. So yeah, that's what I've been reading at the moment. Sounds good. Sounds really interesting. What's your comic book? Um, it's a series I've been reading for a little while, but um, I'm a few steps behind, so I've always got a new, a new one to read whenever I want. Um, I think I'll lean forward a bit. Yeah. Because we're in good. the book club, so you good? Hey guys. Um, it's a series uh, called uh, Saga. I actually had these recommended to me like last week. I think our close mutual friend Bradley Roy reads it. That's the one. Um, by Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughan. Uh, saga. It's again very high science fiction, actually science fantasy mm-hmm. uh, series, set in a universe where where there has been a war going on for hundreds of years between a, a planet of humans with wings. And a small moon with humans who all have horns. And it's... Uh, the war isn't hugely... Well... It is important to the story, but not hugely important. All you need to know is that there's a war going on. These two races absolutely hate each other because they've been fighting for hundreds of years. Um, and the entire uh, galaxy as a whole is kind of consumed by by this war. There's other races. Uh, every time you turn a page, there's like a... It's one of those... It's one of those series where every time you turn a new page, there's a new weird alien. And it's cool. It's essentially just a little love story of survival between a, a girl with wings and a dude with horns. They, they fall in love at a prisoner of war camp and they run away together and have a baby. And they are like public enemies, uh, number one, for each of their factions. Um, and it's about them just surviving. And they're just basically on the run for their lives. They, they catch up with some close family who, who help them survive. Uh, they meet a, they meet like a ghost. They land on a ghost planet, and one of the ghosts tags along with them as like a babysitter, because she never has to sleep. She's a ghost, uh, so she can stay up all night and watch the baby. Um, it's cool. It's just filled with all these weird concepts. Like the first, the reason I'm talking about it now is because I've recently read volume four, and it takes kind of four volumes to really like pick up and get exciting. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first three are just intriguing in the fact it introduces all these, all these different uh, different characters. And ideas to the world, like there's a whole planet where they just uh, do pirate radio, but not instead of pirate radio, it's like pirate VR, like uh, soap operas, like so they just they're just illegally putting on like shitty soap operas where everyone's superheroes shooting lasers at each other, but still arguing about like their ex girlfriends and stealing money and stuff. Um, so they run away to that planet. Uh, there's a bounty hunter who uh, has a giant sphinx cat who basically all he ever says is all she ever says is lying because she she's, can tell when people are lying um all the spaceships are really cool and weird it's just like it's basically like the realm of guardians of the galaxy 2 now where it's like just do whatever you want it's in space uh, and it's really cool it's interesting and the way the story is now um everything's kind of coming together and getting really interesting and exciting this sounds Am I, am I talk- right up my am I talking it up you're 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 talking my my language man yeah. this is the kind of uh 
this is kind of thing. I'm just weird sci-fi, dude. Yeah, I like it. I like it weird, man. I like yeah. it weird. What can I say? The bounty hunter who's chasing them with the liar cat, his like ex-girlfriend is like a giant spider monster. Cool. Just real edgy and stuff. There's like swearing and sex and tits. And, oh god. And gore. It's, oh. Tits and gore. Yeah. They, they say like... swear words. Oh, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, Saga by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. I'm into it. It's good. It's good shit. Uh, Robin? Yep? I bet... Have you noticed this door before? Is it another anime cave? No, it's not. Caves don't have doors, Robin. They all have doors. It's very Lovecraftian in here. <laughs> No, but there's new doors just popped open. It says podcasts on it. What's a podcast? I, I, only one way to find out, Robin. Robin, there's a bunch of iPods on he in here. Look at this one. The Diminishing Returns podcast. What's that? A podcast about films? Every week they pick a film, it doesn't have to be a new film, uh, they brought out one out a couple weeks ago, it was about Suicide Squad. They just talked about Suicide Squad, um, kind of in preparation for the Wonder Woman film that just came out. So they talk about the film, they review it, they talk about what they liked, what they didn't like, and then they'll each pitch a sequel. That's a, that's a really unique aspect. It's a pretty interesting idea, I, for, I'm, like, legit, I thought it was really cool. Pretty funny. They're funny guys. They're funny guys. And they're nice boys. Uh, nice boys. <laughs> boys. Nice boys. 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 Cold one with the boys. Um, no, they are. Um, certainly, it's a, it is a good idea because we've pitched sort of not maybe not sequels in the past, but we've pitched. I like, mean, the we've Boba pitched Fett a Boba film. Fett film or two yeah. in our time. And that's that's a fun time. And you know, they're really good at it. Good boys. They're fucking good so job, So this is the don't go outside recommendation of uh, crack open a cold one with the diminishing returns boys. We found it in a vault. Congratulations, guys. You are now lore. <laughs> yes. The diminishing returns podcast. Now part of official don't go outside lore. Guys, we're going to move on to our topic of the week after I crack open another refreshing... Beefsteak brew. It's got that beefsteak brew all over my shit. <laughs> got my notes. Oh god. My I phone can... that doesn't work because we're in the ice age. <laughs> I can taste the tires. Did the ice age happen? Did it? Yeah. Do you remember that ice age last uh, week? I remember the ice age. I feel like ice ages last like a year. Yeah, the glacier just rocked over. <laughs> Segway went like Segway became ice skate mutant for a while. He got a, a, a snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> Doing sick flips on a snowmobile. It was good. Okay. Well, speaking of saga, uh huh. Would you like to talk about something else that was a saga? <laughs> uh, a saga in which way? It just took forever. E three. E three. It will always happen. It will never end. E three forever. E three for a thousand years. A thousand year Reich. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. What of video games? <laughs> E3, ladies and gentlemen. Our topic of the week, our topic of probably the month, Yeah. Uh, is E3. We're a little bit late to the party. We've had shit to do. We've been busy. We've been uh, we've been living life on the edge of life. Uh, that's, that's how you do it. And surviving. Some, sometimes you got to pickle your rats. 
pickle those reds. So that's not a euphemism. No, I'll, it's not. I'm never likely to hear again. <laughs> so E3 happened. Uh, lots of stuff was released. We got all our shiny people with shiny suits on to tell us about their shiny new things. <laughs> our lovely advert coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. <laughs> to quote David Firth. It's one of my favourite David Firth lines. Our original plan was to have a sort of E3 episode, like maybe the the last day of the press conference, and have a whole episode of E3. Um, it's been a while since we recorded, and uh, we had a lot to talk about. Talk about Zelda, talk about Wonder Woman, we had an argument about indie games. Um, it's and important stuff. It's all important stuff. It's all solid quality, quality material, I'm sure you'll agree. And if you haven't already turned off with boredom... Congratulations! You're about to hear our E3 talk, and um, what was your what well, was your overarching feeling about E3? Um, just just what was your vibe? What was your vibe? My vibe every year with E3, um, I was excited, man. It just hypes me, keeps me, it keeps me excited for video games. You get a bit jaded. Mm-hmm. Video the the world of video games is essentially very business driven. It's easy to get jaded and. Um, and just upset at how much money people want to make all the time. And for some reason, E3, that's exactly what E3 is. But for some reason, the excitement that comes around with it, you don't notice it. And every E3 chat is just people just talking about big business and how excited they are to spend money on video games in the next 12 months. But that's, that's what we do. That's what people who love video games do. You know, it's a it's a it's a form of art that is, a, well, I mean, it's I was gonna say it's not very much well appreciated, but it is. It's a billion dollar industry, um, and it's just nice to see that they're at least pretending some in some cases, looking at UEA, at least pretending to be in touch with their audience. Um, you know, some are more in touch with others. Some have a very straight up idea of what their fans want. Some are just trying to convince us to spend money. But at the end of the day, that's all three years. And I bloody love it. I'm, I'm glad you had such a good time of it. I have to say, my overwhelming feeling was a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing? A whole lot of nothing. Was this this year in particular or is this for... This year in particular, I yeah. just thought like... Wasn't much stuff that like came out the came out the left field and it blew my socks off. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a lot of just more stuff for stuff that I already knew about. Well, a lot of leaks happened yeah. before E3, you know. Like it wasn't much room for surprises because uh, things just get leaked now. Mm. You know why bother having E3 when some fucking asshole that works for you is just gonna fucking post a file on the internet it's like, oh, here's the stuff we're working on. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We're working really hard on that. Um, and I hate leaks. Stop leaking stuff. Just let people announce things the way they want to. It's just nonsense. And does it make you angry? It, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to get angry in a minute for much <laughs> bigger reasons. I just want to put it out there, like, just fucking leaks, they just bum me out. Because, obviously, like, companies have a idea of what, of how they're going to uh, announce, uh, announce a thing. Mm-hmm. And if someone is like, by the way, they're going to announce this thing... And this is what it is. I say, like, well, what's the fucking point? This is wasted so much time and money trying to get us excited for a thing. I mean, you might still get excited for it at the leak. But I've got a couple of examples I'm going to talk about. It, anyway. it ruins a release schedule. I think that's it the does, main thing. It does. It does. 
Um, but yeah, so our E3 chat, we're going to condense it down into just a few segments just to really just quick fire through it. If you're into video games, you'll know all about E3. We just wanted to give our, our two and a half our, P. Our two cents. Our two cents. Our six bottle caps. Our six caps. Although Mikey still accepts cents. Yeah. Still believes in the dollar. Still, still the dollar's going Incredibly strong. nationalistic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what I wanted to do was talk about uh, three games that came out that were... Maybe three. I've got three games um, that were hyped for. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yes, I do, actually. And I'd like to talk about one that I am really excited about, but also feel, feeds into my overwhelming feeling of a whole lot of nothing. So, Anthem is a game. Anthem, the game by Bioware. Uh, Bioware and EA. Um which, ha- I mean, there's some... People are upset about it. Because people feel like, oh, this is why Bioware have abandoned us. They've went to work on new IP. Seriously, people were really pissed off by this. However... How, why do they feel that Bioware have abandoned them? Because people are like that on the internet. Um, oh, God, a company isn't directly serving me because that's not how capitalism works. Maybe they God have, damn, I'm personally victimised by this. Maybe they have bigger abandonment issues to deal with. Uh, yes, I th- certainly think so. However... So Anthem uh, was announced, um, where you basically get to... Uh, it's a third-person team-based shooter, and I it, it, it's a Destiny-type game. A looter shooter. For someone who hasn't played... From someone, myself, who hasn't played Destiny, it looks a lot like Destiny, just more polished. Well, yeah, it's in the sort of, you know, the Destiny um, g- game space. That's yeah. where it exists. Um, They're trying to do their own... Thing. thing which however fine. it's instead of first person it's a third person shooter mm-hmm. um you you are in a mech uh you good to do you use a jetpack jetpack mechanics are always going to sell it for me yeah. i like jetpack mechanics and it's bioware so the writing is going to be good the lore is going to be good and the world building is going to be good however don't give me a scripted gameplay trailer and tell me it's not scripted yeah i find like i i mean the thing is, I'm smarter than that. Like, I'm not an idiot. No one's an idiot here. See the voice, the voice actors. Me. Not not the not the gamers. You got to play the voice actors. You got to play this on your gameplay footage. They they sounded like they were just pretending to be humans. They it's like I they think had, it's maybe the script they were given. Well, yes, it will be. Uh, it, it was. But also, don't give them a script. It's it, it's it, ridiculous. Don't take the piss out of me. This is a scripted trailer. Just say it's a scripted trailer. S- scripted gameplay, like scripted mic chat for me, will always be a big part of E3 that I look forward to because it is like it's cringe that I just it's enjoy horrible. so much. But no. It, it, <laughs> I can get past that, but see the... Uh, hey, look, a power pack. I can't wait to get more of these. Hey, we got some big boys incoming. Here we <laughs> go, baby. It's like, oh, you've been on voice chat and no one's said a... No one's cursed in 30 seconds. You're not on real Jim voice Jim Sterling chat. did a really good send-up of that where he just played, like, three different people in, like, real voice chat and it is, like, screeching <laughs> and, like, just random <laughs> clips of songs being cut into it. I recommend... I can't remember... We'll put a link in the show notes of uh, the video where he does that because it's just fantastic. It's like real, like, if it was scripted voice chat the way it was meant to be, then it would just be like children screeching and swearing at each other <laughs> and terrible mic etiquette. Um, but my, the scripted mic aside, 
I just don't think the game's going to look like that. I give... I give Pre-rendered, an, you think? No, I, I think it's heavily polished gameplay. And I suspect that jetpack, the jetpack uh, mechanic, the jetpack stuff. I think janky. That, I think it was on rails. I don't think that's how it's actually going to play. That's I mean. You think it's going to be like you're going to be crashing into trees all the time? And- no, I think it'll be like yeah, not not even janky. I just really don't expect that fluidity of motion. I don't expect it's going to be oh press button now I'm in, a, in the air. I think it's going to be oh you have to be on a certain pad to do this the jetpack maneuver. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, power to you, Bioware and EA. If you can deliver and make this actually the way it is, yeah, fire in. However, I five percent. That's I feel that maybe, maybe five percent chance it's actually going to look like that. Okay. However, that being said, that all being said, I'm excited for that five percent chance. I mean, it's a very cool concept for a game. It looks cool, man. Yeah, yeah. It looks cool, and as I said, I trust Bioware's writing, so. Even if it is, it turns out to be a completely uh, castrated version of what that gameplay trailer showed. The writing's still going to be tipped up. Yeah, the thing is, you can get away with weird, janky gameplay and uh, and annoying voice chat if you have a if you have a cool world to back it up, yeah. and if you have a world that you don't need a team to explore with you could just go around and pick up little documents and talk to people and le- talk to npcs uh and kind of learn about the world and build a story of your own then that's great yeah that's what i did with guild wars 2 i don't i literally do not know anyone else who played guild wars 2 apart from myself yeah so for me like it was a mmorpg that i played single player and it's fantastic like, yeah. i loved it and they built it in a way that you could play it single player as well because you had to go through basically a story mode for your character like you had to uh you had little cut scenes and stuff you met characters you kind of uh bonded with people but you were in a totally open uh multiplayer world mm-hmm. it was great so if they do something like that with with anthem then i'll pick it up yeah i mean i i, I can see i'll be playing it with my current destiny fire team because i have one okay. um nerd I am a nerd. Um, we have bought well. But it, irrelevant. I, I really enjoyed that because we would we would have our play sessions and that was really good. Um, but the the idea that because I would never play Destiny outside that because there wasn't really much to Destiny to play on your own, um, other than mindlessly grind. Yeah. Like so, if if it was to have a single player aspect to it and a, a, a actual decent exploration aspect to it, yeah. I, I mean, this is why. Bioware at the helm, I'm excited. Yeah, I think something that you can play single player mm-hmm. comfortably, but then you know every couple of weeks just get some get some fucking boys together, crack open some cans, <laughs> go shoot some aliens in a big mech suit. Yeah, you know, brilliant. So, so I am, yeah, I'm tentatively excited for Anthem. Good. Yeah. What's your What's your first highlight? I'd like to bring up, Your Honor, if <laughs> 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 I may present it to the jury. Um, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. Oh God, this that, that comp- I forgot about that until now. <laughs> oh my goodness me, man! Ever since uh, Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I played that for hours, hours on end, just mainly because I think anyone who did play that game will tell you that just the swinging mechanics 
of being Spider-Man swinging around New York was the most enjoyable thing about it. The, it gave you a real feeling of actually being Spider-Man mm-hmm. swinging around the city, beating up uh, henchmen, robbers, stopping like carjackings, just little small-time crimes. You'd have the big overarching story of having to fight Mysterio, Doctor Octopus, but you could just swing around the city and stop stop small crimes like shoplifting and just general tomfoolery. You could do all this kind of cool stuff with your webs. You could hang like hang people upside down with your web from lamp posts. You could do cool combos. It was great. Like in uh, just the feeling of being Spider-Man was that's the most the most realized like Spider-Man simulator I've ever played. Back on the PlayStation 2 and all the Spider-Man games that have come out since have been very like not really open world, just sort of like here's here's a room, run around it as Spider-Man, shoot a web and just you know, it's a straight up story. Uh, which is fine. Spider-Man story is always good. Yeah. But there's never had that same feeling. And now, like, seeing this, uh, the demo that they played, which, much like Anthem, probably a bit kind of, like, on rails, slightly scripted uh, gameplay demo, like, still looks, like, looks fantastic. It looks like they brought that back. You know, just the way the game, it's like they kind of looked at the, the Batman Arkham series and what that did for the Batman franchise. So we're going to do this with Spider-Man. We're going to bring it back to the old, to the good old days of swinging around to Spider-Man in a big open city. Uh, Spider-Man's been around for a while as well. You know, he's he's got his... Um, I think they revealed that Spider-Man is kind of in his prime. So he's already fought villains. Uh, he's in touch with Wilson Fisk as well. The part in the demo, he like calls Wilson Fisk on his phone. Who's Wilson Fisk? The Kingpin. Oh, right. Yeah, he calls Kingpin on his phone and he's like, uh, I thought these were your guys I was beating up, but they're not. So he's friends with Kingpin? He's not friends. He's in touch with Kingpin. Because he's just... I don't know. I don't know if maybe Kingpin calls him, but he somehow... Maybe... I think he... No, what he does, he ties up a, a villain and he takes his phone and calls Kingpin. Right. And he's like, these are your guys and they're getting attacked. And he's like, make sure my guys don't get hurt. Um, so you're kind of having to deal with almost like a gang war between two supervillains and you're just Spider-Man in the middle of it trying to make sure New York City doesn't get burned to the ground. Um, and it looks, I mean, it looks really good fun. Yeah. One of the games that I'm going to have to knuckle down and buy a PlayStation 4 for. Because uh, I'm at that stage now. I've been wanting to buy a PS4 for a while, but I'm just waiting for a good little catalogue of games. Yeah. I think Spider-Man is the one that's really sealed sealed deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so decent combat, web, swing, web swinging mechanics. Being Spider-Man. Spider-Man is like my favorite superhero. Well then, I mean, that's the thing. You're sold on it from, from that alone. Yeah. Um, I, 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 as I say, I completely forgot that it existed until you brought it back up. Man. man. So I was just so utterly unenthused by it. You'd be a fool. You're going to play that game when it comes out and we'll be doing a big old topic of the week on Spider-Man, the PlayStation 4 game. Oh, wow. I think that's... uh, Maybe that's why we do many more uh, films than we do games because I think fundamentally we play different games. I think that might be right. We are are very interested. Because, like, I'm very much into brutally hard games Uh and systems games. Yeah. And you seem to be more interested in spectacle. Spectacle, story, adventure. Yeah. I went back to Wolfenstein because um, uh, Wolfenstein 2 got announced. Just uh, popping that in there. Yeah. It's not on my list of things, but Wolfenstein uh, The New Colossus was announced. That'll be fun. 
and it looks I mean it looks really fun again with spectacle like I went back to the new order because I stopped playing that in favor of Fallout 4 mm-hmm. um, and it, and yeah so I was like man new Wolfenstein's coming out I really enjoyed Wolfenstein let's go back to it so I've been playing that again in preparation for the new Wolfenstein game coming out yeah uh, it's great but I think you're correct I just like I like narrative and spectacle and uh, and just fun fun little gameplay bits and bobs you know yeah I like to be told a story which is why I kind of like now that I'm replaying Wolfenstein I've just I just kind of bumped it down to like sort of not easy easy mode but easy mode being like I just just tell me what's happening it's not a shameful thing to do no Anyway, we had a, a segue bump there. A little bit of a segue. Um, my second thing on my list for EA, uh, EA, for E3, is everyone's indie darling for E3, The Last Night. The Last Night. Yeah, people are going mad about that? Wow. Yeah, people are going mad about that. Because I saw the trailer and I thought, this looks fantastic. I didn't realise everyone else thought the same. That's the only thing that I saw that came out of left field. That might be that might be part of the reason I'm so excited by it because it was the only thing that came out of E3. That yeah. I was like, "Whoa, wasn't expecting that." Um, also, I've never seen such a perfect orchestration of music to gameplay video. Yeah. Wow, that song is amazing. By the way, it's it's uh, "Acid Rain" by Lorne, which you should definitely listen to. Okay. At, like right now because it's a great song. Um, but yeah, I'm really. It's got all the stuff I'm interested in. That Blade Runner esque, like, dirty cyberpunk world. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, it looks for really it. funky. And the thing is, it's one of these things I know almost nothing about. I was just immediately sold on aesthetics. Yeah. Just this looks great. It's I the kind want of, to play it. It's the kind of indie game that I want to play. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of indie game I want to see on the Switch e store. <laughs> Not like fucking jumping about with a sword slashing people and collecting gems give me cool stories in, in weird cyberpunk worlds um, yeah no I'm, a, I'm on board with that as well it yeah. looks great and people seem to be uh, really excited about it um, I'm excited to play it good me as well um, Skull and Bones well that's the pirate which because there was a couple of pirate ones so uh, Sea of Thieves yeah uh, Thieves. which is the one by Rare yeah. for Microsoft. Um, it's coming out on Xbox One and PC. Uh, Skull and Bones, which is the one I'm talking about, Yeah, by Ubisoft, where Ubisoft pretty much went, uh, Black Flag was great. People loved the pirate battles. Let's just do that as a game. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, correct. <laughs> you are correct to do that. Stop making Assassin's Creed. You seem to have already given up on it. Just, uh, well, I'm going to talk about that, by the way. Skull and Bones is just the pirate ship battles from Assassin's Creed Black Flag. But just as a full game, big multiplayer game, I think uh, rather than uh, where Sea of Thieves is you're all pirates on a ship together, uh, each player controls a ship. Uh, and there'll be different game modes, you have different goals, but it's all the really polished naval combat from Black Flag just put into a big game. And that's what I love most about Black Flag. That's what I'm getting from Ubisoft. So thanks, that's, thanks Ubisoft. That's certainly what it looked like. It did just look like Black Flag without the assassins. It's great. Which that's what I really let Black Flag down. Was <laughs> yeah. the Assassin's Creed story? Um, um, if we, I mean, that, is, that does lead us on to Assassin's Creed. Can we pop or, into their 
into their abandonment of the Assassin's Creed franchise real quick. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I have a theory that Ubisoft do not care about Assassin's Creed anymore, given that uh, My- Microsoft's press conference came before Ubisoft's, uh, and they were the ones who got to do the big reveal of Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft's flagship franchise. Like, they're, that's like the one they're most known for, right? Yeah. Assassin's Creed. You'd think they'd want to save that for them. And they said, no, Microsoft, you go ahead and you do you do Assassin's Creed. We, we, we took a break from it for a year, and uh, and it's pretty much no different to how it was before. So you, you just announced it. And then um, when Ubisoft came to do their Assassin's Creed chat, it's like, here's a trailer you saw that's pretty much identical to the one Microsoft's shown you. And we're going to show you some gameplay now. We're going to cut to some people on a sofa playing Assassin's Creed on a tiny TV. And we're not going to stream the gameplay live on our screens. We're just going to film the TV screen with Assassin's Creed on it. And that's how you're going to see it. It's like, why would you do that to a, to a franchise that... Why would you do that to your biggest selling franchise if you, if you still cared about it? Why wouldn't you be like... Why wouldn't you be like... This is the Assassin's Creed... Sure, we're back. We've taken a year. We've taken a year off, taking some time to think about it, regroup, and just give you something that you've never seen before from Assassin's Creed. Well, maybe they're uh, trying to short it, and they're trying to be like, you know, you know, they're trying to say, yeah, you know, it's all right, it's all right. They're not try- They're not making a big show about it, and that's the game they're going for. Or it could just be, what's the point in putting in develop? What's the point in putting advertisement dollars into a game that people are already going to buy? I mean, people have already pre-ordered it. Exactly. Like, as soon as the leak came. I mean, it was leaked as well. That's one of the leaks. Yeah. People knew... Maybe that's why the leaks damaged it, because people knew everything about it before E3. I, I'm just saying, like, why would a company like Ubisoft, who... I mean, all companies have to manage resource. You can't put every resource into everything. Why would they put the resource into something that they know is going to sell? That's very I fair. I mean, they could put Assassin's Creed Dog Simulator... Um, now you are Altair, Altair the, the 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 Altair Dober. station. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, Altair, uh, um, and this is this is part of his memory as a drug dog in the canine squad, and you get to that would this is a really cool game I'm pitching. Um, You've got assassin wrists in your front paws. Yeah, like uh, assassin blades. Literally the dumbest game, and it would sell. It would shift units. People are always going to buy their Assassin's Creed because people love Assassin's Creed. Um, this is true, but so it, just, th- it just still, even so, felt a little lackluster. It did feel lackluster. Also, it's like, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to remove the mini-map. That's, we're gonna, we're that's gonna, the feature. We're going to put in an arrow that you control and fly around like Yondu. Which is cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's just cheating. It's like, takes the effort out of aiming your arrow. Like, it takes all the skill out of shooting a bow and arrow, you just shoot the arrow, and then you just drive it towards your target. Fucking well, you can, you can tell that to do, Yondu. Basil. I'm not going to sell that to Yondu. No, I mean, not... For Yondu requires skill. He has to learn how to whistle, to control it in a certain way. We saw how difficult it was for that other guy. True. He fucking shot it at the Drax's shoulder, but for assassins, you just uh, shoot the arrow, go into arrow cam, like a little drone, and just shoot it into a guy's back. Yeah. Didn't even look good in the in the in the trailer. It like skipped like. Ugh. Oh, it could boy. it could be the point that they're just like uh, we we're literally our numbers are so high we don't need to put any money into development or advertisement. They don't care about it. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, it's not. That they, it's 
not that they don't care about it, it's that they've been allowed to become lackadaisical because the market has told them that, that that's okay. Yeah. Like, never blame the company. And, and see, when you're talking... Fair enough, right? See if we were talking about petroleum or water companies. Or, right. Right? Then blame the company for shit service. See, when you're talking about tertiary goods and the most tertiary of tertiary, which is games... Uh-huh. Blame the consumer. Okay. I mean, this is always where I am. It's like, you know what, man? Stop fucking buying Assassin's Creed. If you see if they're being lazy and they're being shit, don't buy it. Stop make it. Stop buying like a hundred and fifty pound pre-order boxes. Well, I don't buy Assassin's Creed. No, anymore. don't say this to me. <laughs> no, I'm speaking no, to our audience. Who <laughs> yeah. um, probably don't do this as well. But you know what I mean? Like, as the gaming public, companies will large companies are it's not even their fault they're such a monolithic company that all they can do is follow trends they can't yeah. be agile they're not like uh um they're not like vlambeer or some other ridiculously small developer they can literally look at your tweets and go oh shit i better not do that and then change something about their game yeah these are monoliths who need to follow trends and if your trends say you know what you you don't want ubisoft you don't have to put in any effort. You know what, Ubisoft? You you just make a £300 pre-order. You know what, Ubisoft? Don't even bother at E3. That's fine, because we're going to buy your shit anyway. Yeah. That's that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying by giving them your money. Um. So, yeah. Anyone who's an Assassin's Creed fan, this is your fault. Well done. You ruined it. Yeah. Only buy the games that seem different. Yep. Like... The first one. I've not bought an Assassin's Creed game since Assassin's Creed 3 because it was stale and shit. Well, Assassin's Creed 3 was stale and shit. Yeah, so I stopped buying them. That's your mistake. You get you get Brotherhood and you get Black Flag. Those are the two Assassin's Creed games that matter. Yeah. Brotherhood is cool because you get a little gang of assassins that follow you around. Stand on the rooftops, you like do a little whistle and um, target a guy and just knives fly out of, every, out of nowhere. And your assassins dart off into the night. And you can, like... You just have a little gang that follows you around. Your brotherhood. I love the brotherhood so much. That's pretty cool. It was like, here's my dudes. I'm just going to fucking rob down the street with my assassin bros. <laughs> fucking Saturdays are for the assassins. So <laughs> cracking open a cold one with Ezio. And um, just fucking mugging people with fucking wrist blades. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping from the rooftops, taking on big gangs of soldiers. And then Black Flag is like, well, I'm a pirate. So I'm just going to dick around and be a pirate. Yeah, but you just said the worst part about Black Flag was the assassin part. But the best part was the pirate bit. So it doesn't matter that... But to me, could... it didn't matter that it was a, it was an Assassin's Creed game. To me, what mattered is that it was a game about being a pirate. Yeah, but this just proves my point further. Because they proved that the, the ship mechanic was the most popular mechanic in Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, but like, where else am I gonna get that yeah, mechanic? But instead of just, what, going, am I gonna not play it? Instead of them going balls to the wall and just creating a a pirate game, which they have done now, done it. Um, they made an Assassin's Creed game because the market told them that that's what they should make, because everyone just keeps buying it because it's got Assassin's Creed on it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Stop buying Assassin's Creed. Shit. Well, they should stop making Black Flag so bloody good. <laughs> Go back to the past and tell me that. And now, Family Guy Theatre. <laughs> where a bunch of uh, raiders 
found old Family Guy scripts in the trash. <laughs> Where they fucking should be. Aww. Hey, Peter. Hey, Lois. Hey, Peter. Lois. Remember the time we went to the baseball game? <laughs> God, it's so awful. Yeah, that's no one. Nobody's done this joke before, Robin. That's the thing. Nobody's ever made. Hey, I'm Brian. I'm depressed. Hey, I'm Stewie. Hey, I'm Stewie. I'm a baby, I want to and I'm kill my to, mother. I want to kill my mother. <laughs> Meg's ugly. Fucking right. Comedy gold. You're I'm right. Homer Simpson. Let's do a crossover episode. Did they do a crossover episode? Have you Have you seen the Simpsons Family Guy crossover episode? It's no. okay. Okay. Oh, nah, give it a watch. It's all right. Mmm. Crossover. Ah. <laughs> I'm Homer Simpson. Homer! <laughs> <laughs> so, we've been on our little Ubisoft rant. Yeah. I'm not finished talking about Ubisoft, by the way. Oh, God. Don't go anywhere, Ubisoft. I'm not done with you yet. But I just want to see what else... What other highlights you had? Um, well, I was actually going to talk about another Ubisoft game. Oh, here we go. Oh, well, let's just stay on the Ubisoft train. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Oh, yes. Um, how I, I mean, obviously, it was a CGI trailer, so it tells us... Nothing. Nothing. It's just a little short movie. Blizzard no. fucking shit out CGI movies as a job. <laughs> and they're all fantastic. They but I don't know... I don't play any Blizzard games. Um, Beyond Good and Evil 2. It looks great. I mean... The trailer's great. I enjoyed it. It was great fun. I enjoyed that short um, film. No idea. No idea what the game's gonna be like. How my, my one my one gripe of that short film was like, why you gotta make it so rude? There was like a cuss every ten seconds. Because the kids, man, yeah, the kids yeah, love a swear. They love a little monkey who makes the pig fart. I know, but it's just like, come on, come, come on. You're you're silly. Stop trying to be serious. If you you're silly, <laughs> be what? silly. If you ever no, they wasn't no, they were swearing to be too silly. It was no, trying too I, I, I kind of thought it was like it. It kind of struck me as overly edgy. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, exactly. That's I totally agree. Um, did you see the any of the Ubisoft pre-stream? No. So like had like well the pre-show. Uh, it was essentially they just got to absolute like millennial edge lords. To fucking talk to some developers that were there and oh, talk about Jesus. how much they loved smoking weed and drinking Mountain Dew. It was the most cringeworthy thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, it was like, God. hey man, we're at Ubisoft. Uh, you're not allowed to vape indoors, but uh, we know that California allows that sweet green smoking law. Am I right, guys? Well, that's right, buddy. We're here with the developer of Assassin's Creed. Oh. And he's going to talk to us about Mountain Dew. Was like, oh. I was like, guy, it was... Yeah. Oh. yeah, it was as bad as that. Like, you should watch it. Oh, no. If you I don't ever want to feel pain. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, because I, I tuned in too early and I caught some of that and I was like, oh. Edge lords. Oh, just, they were just too edgy. Like, yeah, I mean, we're at Ubisoft here. We like to say fucking shit. Ah, uh, yeah, do you fucking love shit video games? <laughs> yeah, fucking love video games, man. Do you like to smoke weed while playing video games? Dude, I fucking love this. I love to vape. I love to vaporize my weed and smoke it like a little electronic cigarette while I play Assassin's Creed uh, 2. <laughs> what are you fucking looking forward to? Well, fucking shit, bro. I'm looking forward to drinking the fucking Do it. 
Oh man, it made me fucking ill. They all had piercings in every available orifice as well. It was like, oh. And piercings, uh, look. Uh, <laughs> so I just now just sound old. <laughs> I talk about piercings. I mean, you got, you're kind of edging towards like, get off my lawn. But they were get off my lawn kids. <laughs> I hated those kids. I wanted them off my screen. Uh, they were just... But to me, to bring it back around... The Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailer was pretty much like, it just seemed like we got to get some fucks and shits up in here so that the kids laugh yeah. at this funny monkey. Because, <sighs> man, I really wore myself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you put a lot of effort into that bit. Beyond Good and Evil 2. I've heard the first one is fantastic. I never played it. The second one, I mean, the, the, the boy came out who was developing it. He was weeping. Weeping tears of joy that he could finally announce Beyond Good and Evil 2 after 15 years in development hell, you know? Yeah. He was like, man, this is my passion, my beautiful game. It's going to be great, guys. I'm so glad you could all be here and show support for Beyond Good and Evil 2. That was a beautiful moment. It was. See, this is why, this is why I found it such a juxtaposition. Yeah. Because it's like, this is some guy who's just like, I'm so happy. And then it's like the CGI trailers are like, Oh God! It's uh, gonna cut you. We're so goddamn sharp. For fifteen years, all I've wanted to do was create a short movie with a swearing chimpanzee, <laughs> and now I bring it to you, and my life's work is complete. That's all it's. I may to me. now die. <laughs> you could kill me on this stage with your vape smoke. I wouldn't even care. Yeah. Um. So Beyond Good and Evil Two. Yeah. Fair play to you. Like just show me some game gameplay. Ah, uh, exactly. Show me some gameplay. It means me. nothing till you till you have gameplay. CGI trailers mean nothing to me. Like it's just like I, I watch Blizzard CGI trailers all the time because they're very well made short films. <laughs> they are. You know, they're very entertaining. Um, oh, continuing. Uh, should we continue talking about Ubisoft? I can end on a high note if we continue talking about Ubisoft. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's. Uh, I mean, let's give them something. Give them hell, boy. Sick them. Sick them, boy. Rabbids. Oh god. So um Oh god. I think it's fair to say in my case the um the Super Mario and Rabbids crossover was the absolute low point of my E three this year. I um I don't it doesn't make any sense. Like mm. you so basically they want they had a partnership with Nintendo. Your, your, their, their biggest, their flagship character, their Mickey Mouse, Super Mario. We'd like to do something fun with Super Mario. Nintendo being Nintendo, will be like, Super Mario is a fun guy. You know, whatever. You just take him away. You do whatever you want to him. Uh, we'll do something with Mario you've never seen before. The most imaginative thing we can think of. Let's give him a gun. Bet you weren't expecting that. It's just Mario, but he has a gun now. He shoots people. And guess what? He's doing it with the rabbits. Rabbids who disappeared from the face of the earth not five years ago. They had their own series of little mini-games on the Wii. They were an offshoot of, um, of, 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 of Rayman. Uh, one of Ubisoft's classic characters. They did a lot of fun things with Rayman. He was a fun guy. Could have paired up 
Mario with Rayman. That would have been good. Say, like, Rayman's had two very, very good straight-up platformer games in the past five years. Let's... He's got some interesting characters that don't really do much. Let's put them with Mario. Mario, Pete, Yoshi, Luigi, Rayman, the the grey frog guy, the little weird wizard dude. <laughs> they don't have names apart from Rayman, but they're all cool guys. They go on fun adventures. No, we're going to bring back the video game equivalent of minions who just have silly faces and they don't really speak any language. They just make dumb noises and... and, and, and fall down and, and and they dress up like Mario characters and uh, and they shoot things with guns isn't that wacky I was texting you when when this news broke yeah we had a very strongly worded text chat during all of this um, and I distinctly remember when you just because I was I was pretty funny about it because oh, obviously right <laughs> I'm not quite as serious as Patch about this, but I think rabbits are shit. <laughs> Just I don't think they're funny. Don't think they're cute. I've not liked their games, but if that you doesn't bother me that much. Patch's undying hatred of these critters is quite quite something. And if if I was I was in this text conversation and I made a little joke about how how oh yes of course Ubisoft would make rabbits yeah they're great. And, uh, yeah, don't do that to this man. He hates them. He really hates them. He hates them with the the passion of a neutron star collapsing in on itself. It's just like, I just, I'm just surprised. I'm talking about it now and I'm surprised at how upset <laughs> I'm getting. You just sound, you sound sad. I'm past being angry. I'm just really, like, just, rap, like, I don't, I, so it's like the Minions movie. Like, you take a franchise like Despicable Me, like a, a, a friendly, a really good uh, family film with interesting characters like Gru and his and the daughters that he adopts and all those. <laughs> They're likeable characters with personalities and stories they go on an adventure and just in the background there's these weird little yellow dudes to just hang out. They make funny noises, they're a bit of comic relief, that's fine. But then, uh, that's the thing that everyone loves. That's the thing everyone latches onto, so you think, man, we gotta do more with these minions. Cause that's where the money is, mama. We gotta do more minions, so how about an entire minions movie? And people were like, yeah, we'll eat that. We'll, we'll eat that shit, sure. Give me that Give me that shit. I'll eat it. Put it on a sandwich. I'll swallow it whole. Don't even put it on a sandwich. I'll just I'll just put it in a McDonald's milkshake with a straw. I'll drink that shit right down. Do you have any more? Do you have a Minions pen? Do you have a Minions hot water bottle? I'll have it all. So Ubisoft saw what Despicable Me was doing with the Minions. And they said, oh, we have Minions too, but they have ears. Like rabbit ears. And they have little Homer Simpson mouths. Um, and they used to do funny things like fart and fall down and not speak any particular voice. They just had, they just used words. So we're gonna, we're gonna take Mario, the beloved uh, video game character, Mr. Video Game himself. If, any, if anyone doesn't like video games, thinks of video games, they think of Super Mario. 
and we're gonna put rabbits in his world and they're just gonna do they're just they're just gonna have a whale of a time just dressing up like all the classic characters people know and, and just running around shooting lasers uh, and farting and oh, just having a swell old time uh, and I saw it and I just fucking bleakest thing that we've ever recorded. I just, well, I think it's as bleak as it deserves to be. This is Mario versus Rabbids Kingdom and people are just eating it up. Like, they're just putting that straw in that milkshake, <laughs> in that shit milkshake and they're just sucking hard, drinking all that fucking <laughs> shit. And, oh, I mean, the game mechanics, they look quite cool. It's a bit like XCOM, but, like, why? You could have done it with Rayman. You could have done it with creative, interesting characters, like Rayman uh, and his cool pals. But, no, you just did the same character model in a different costume. You just call that money, put a big old dollar sign on it, call it a day. And, uh, you know, they had the, uh, you know, Miyamoto came out, he was chatting with the... Uh, with the French guy who runs Ubisoft on the stage, they were like, yeah, we're doing Ray Rayman Mario Rabbids together. Yeah, we're gonna goof around on stage. There's the guy that came up with the idea in the crowd. He's weeping with joy that he's finally able to do this. He's so happy. And good for that guy, I guess, but you've wasted your time, pal. All that time and effort, you could have just made some Rayman characters. <sighs> um... Did you feel any better after that? Nah, I'm just more upset than I was. I just, I kind of I haven't thought about it since then, and now it's all coming out. Shall we move on to another aspect of Nintendo? I think that's all the time we have for today, Rob. <laughs> no, Nintendo. Okay, see. Okay, let's do. A, let's let's talk about Mario Odyssey then. Super sign off. Mario Odyssey. Oh boy, that's what I meant about ending on a high note. Hoo wee! So I've totally done a 180 on Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, me too. We weren't we weren't that psyched. Neither of us. Uh, did we talk about it on air? Yeah, we talked about it. Because uh, Switch reveal. I don't. You said you, I think you were pretty hard on it. Was just gonna be shit, and I was like, it just looks weird. Uh huh. Like, I'm not against it, but it looks weird. It was Mar So mainly what they'd shown us in the in the Switch uh, reveal was Mario hanging out with real human people in a real human city. And, and it looked like, weird. Like, Nintendo, are you insane? And they go, yeah, we're Nintendo. We're insane. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> like, do you even know us? I was like, oh, yeah. So, uh, they did a Nintendo's press conference, by the way. Holy shit. It was the best one. It's my favorite one. My favorite one. Just bang out some announcements. Like, I don't have a Switch. I don't really play many Nintendo games, but best one, hands down. They, all they have to do is just, like, it's... It's the equivalent of like of what I hate about a lot of uh... so imagine an episode of Big Bang Theory where every ten minutes they just drop a reference in hey Star Trek hey Star Wars hey Incredible Hulk that's like supposed to be comedy Nintendo their press conference they just did hey Metroid hey Kirby hey Yoshi uh, more Mario like they didn't yeah but the thing is Pokemon. they're allowed to do it. Because they make it. Exactly, but that's because it was like, wow, you're doing this? And like, we're doing it. There's no details, but it's coming, so... You, know, you can't really mention Metroid. They gave a fucking title. Yeah. You can't... That that doesn't count. Sorry, Nintendo. You get, you get zero point. Nil point. Nil point. You, you don't show me a title, 
and pretend that that's, that gets the hype crane started. Get fucked. People Nintendo. are hyped about Metroid That's because people are dumb. Yeah. Guys, don't be excited. Nintendo have treated the <laughs> Metroid franchise... So, sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> We're back! <laughs> you're getting a bit of fucking backhand here, right? Nintendo has treated the Metroid franchise worse than Fritzl treats his kids. Whoa! <laughs> okay. Nintendo treats the Metroid franchise worse than a 14-year-old boy treats his socks. Now, you just... It, it, historically, they have just given you bad Metroid games. So don't say, oh, Nintendo, amazing, I'm gonna roll on my back and you can play with my soft underbelly just because uh, they've given you a title. They've given you a title. They've given you... That's it. You've got a title. And that title is Metroid Prime 4. But it doesn't fucking matter. It's nothing. They've given you nothing. Anyway. Exactly. What they did give you was some fucking... Some other ass. stuff, which was awesome, but don't get excited. Fucking Kirby gameplay. There was so much awesome stuff. Yeah. What annoys me so much about the Metroid thing is that seems to be the biggest thing that people are talking about. I don't people, understand that, considering and, there was like 10 minutes of it, Super Mario know, Odyssey. But people are going crazy over Metroid, and it's like, oh, stop it! Stop yeah. it! Anyway, um, yes. Lots of exciting stuff. The Kirby game coming out? Yep. It's like the most straightforward, uh, no frills Kirby game for a long time. Every Kirby game in the past, for the past like 20 years, has had like some kind of dumb gimmick or been on a handheld console I don't own. Mm-hmm. So it was a good, decent Kirby game coming out on the Switch. I'm excited. Woke up my girlfriend with excitement. We were sitting in bed together. She was asleep and I was watching the stream. And like Kirby came up and was like, it's Kirby, like a bastard on the leg. <laughs> She's just like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, it's Kirby though. She's like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. Good night. Um, so Kirby's coming out. That's good. So Super Mario Odyssey, we had our doubts. But I'm, I've seen enough at this point. I'm like, yeah. The gameplay looks really, is, really fun. Like, you've you know? made a good mechanic. You've got a weird hat that possesses things. Yeah. <laughs> You can become anything you want with this hat with eyes. Like, whew, it looks like the dumbest shit ever, but I'm, I'm on board. Well, Mario is dumb. That's Mario the whole thing. Is, well, yeah. yeah Mario is a fucking Italian plumber made by Japanese people. It's dumb. Uh, it's pretty silly. It's a silly thing. He's going around New Donk City. It's brilliant. Apparently, um, word on the streets... On the streets of Donk, <laughs> the streets of New Donk City, is that is uh, uh, it's all going to be at the New Donk City where apparently Donkey Kong, the arcade game, took place. All right. So like with uh, Pauline, who you had to rescue, she's she's in it. I don't know how that will tie in. It's not, not exactly Mario I mean, was the d- most lore heavy thing. <laughs> exactly. But, is there Nintendo lore? I mean, there's Zelda lore. Like it's very retroactive Zelda lore, but. Yeah, that ties everything together. Yeah, but uh, but isn't the whole uh, anyway? Never mind. It doesn't. It doesn't matter not because it's Super Mario, and Super Mario is silly. Yeah, he flies around in a top hat shaped spaceship. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, good job, Super Mario Odyssey. You turned me around. I expected it not to turn me around, but it did. Yeah, it's charming. It's char- It's it's charming. Mario. It's a him, Mario. It's a him. Yeah, man. So. Super Mario Odyssey, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised and anticipating. Um, I don't really have much more on that. I just wanted to say Mario Odyssey looks good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm bringing it full circle to what I was talking about before. Completed Zelda. There's not much at the moment, but I think there's a few things to look forward to. 
on the old switcheroo. I think there is, as long as it's not Metroid. Um, well, we'll see. Let's see if I see someone pre-order. That's it, guys. If you pre-order Metroid 4. What? If you pre-order it now? If you pre-order it ever. In fact, if actually... Actually, don't pre-order games. Don't pre-order games. Don't pre-order games. It's a disgusting culture based on money and lies. Yeah. So, um... And so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of good games on the horizon. Although, I'm always a little bit cynical about the whole E3 thing. The main thing for me was actually Mario Odyssey, I must say. That's the, the biggest change in feeling I had. Yeah. Because I had a pretty low opinion of Mario Odyssey, and now I feel better. The thing that I'm most sort of excited for, personally, probably Anthem. Yeah. yeah. But we'll wait and see, because as I say, I don't think that gameplay means anything. Honourable mention to uh, Tobey Maguire's game. Not Tobey Maguire. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Honourable mention to Elijah Wood's game. Yeah. The what? VR uh, that thing? The weird VR one where you go inside people's dreams and shit. That was uh, odd. It looked freaky and weird. Um, best press conference for me, I'd say Nintendo. I would agree with it. Nintendo. Worst press conference, uh, Ubisoft. I would agree. Uh, just because, mainly because of the rabbits. I've had my time, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I got very sad. But they did announce Skull and Bones, and Skull and Bones, you know, looks good. Looks good. So, fuck you, Ubisoft. You fucking ruined Mario forever. <laughs> no, well, didn't. I was being facetious. <coughs> well, that's been episode 13, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. Um, so, for a, a topic like this, do we go outside for E3 in general, or this year's E3? Or God, this, is, this is quite a difficult one, isn't it? Would you go outside for Wonder Woman starring Gal Gadot and Chris Pine? I would actually, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was pretty worth going outside for. Um, <laughs> what would you go outside for? For E three two thousand and seventeen. Uh, Spider Man on the PlayStation Four. And I would go. I'm going out looking for it. I'd go outside looking for Anthem as it should be, not as it is displayed, as I hope it's going to be. Yeah. Um, not the last night. Whoa. Yeah, okay. Pull it back. I would go outside for the last, last night. Because last night you've got definite gameplay. Yeah, I've got definite. Last night's going to deliver, I think. Right. I'm going to go outside looking for Spider-Man. Um, I'm going to go outside looking for the last night. I'm going to buy us an extra uh, an extra blast door for when Rabbids comes out. I'm gonna, <laughs> get gonna, that fit. I'm going to repair the hazard suits. Uh, get the get the old uh, decontamination chamber refilled with decontamination juice. And uh, buy myself a flamethrower, and uh, and drink myself to a slow death. <laughs> Guys, uh, thanks so much for uh, listening listening to us talk about E3 this year. It was a big old podcast, but we had a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, uh, if you watched E3, you probably know half the things. You probably know most of the things we spoke about already. But uh, thanks for listening to our two cents. I think it's. Uh, been a good, good old chat. It has been a good old chat. Good old chat. I got a bit sad. There were ups and downs. There were uh, it was thrills and spills. An emotional roller coaster. Much like every E3 is every year. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And as always, guys, don't go outside. Because there are rabbits out there. And they are looking to ruin your franchises. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see all this stuff about Babadook being a gay symbol now? What? Oh my god, it's the funniest fucking meme. Um, 
Yeah, Babadook is a gay icon now. A gay icon? So you know Babadook, the psychological horror. Yeah, I never saw it, but he's a big gangly stickman monster. Yeah, right? it's, it's kind of horrifying. It's a, a fucking great film, however. Uh -huh. um, he came up in the Netflix categories as uh, something like gay and transgender films. <laughs> and someone screencapped it and posted it on Tumblr, and everyone's like, oh my god, Babadook's gay. Wonderful. And then people have like made it a conspiracy theory and be like, oh, we all... We should have always known this, that Babadook was gay. Like, look at the way he dresses. Look at all this stuff. And just, um, people have been, like, drawing Babadook with gay pride flags. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, people brought, like, Babadooks to gay prides and stuff. It's just brilliant. That's really, like, if the makers of Babadook don't jump on that, they're missing a the trick. I don't know, maybe they don't want to see their creative integrity destroyed <laughs> because of an internet joke. No, but if there's, is there not a Babadook 2 in the works? Is there? I mean, there must be. Horror films Baba always. Took. Yeah, it can be uh, Pippin, Peregrine Took. Peregrine Baba Took. He's a Baba Took. I mean, he was a little gay hobbit, so. Was he gay? Nah, just. Were hobbits gay? It's funny to say hobbits are gay because they're just best friends that go on the road together. This is actually something that really bothered me. L legit, real yeah. chat. About how there was all these. Everyone made jokes about. Um, Sam and Frodo. Frodo being gay. They got a bit old. Right? No, it's, it's mainly the fact it's like, I can't two dudes just be friends, man. Yeah, why can't they just be fucking solid like, buds? They're base mates and they're going, they're fucking saving the world. Like, let them be pals. Yeah, I mean. It, it just, you know what it showed to me? Just an underlying, so an undercurrent of homophobia that's in very real culture. Like, cause everyone likes to pretend that, oh yeah, we're all liberal and we're all nice, but it's like, see as, t see as soon as two friends, two fictional friends, who are part of a fictional species, try to have, like, a real loving connection that is platonic. People are like, oh, it's gay! You're gay! Gay! Yeah, I mean, especially at the time of writing, after, like, you know, people... Guys would have those kind of relationships in the war as well, right? Yeah, man. Because fucking, you gotta look out for your bros. Gotta look out for your bros. Look out for the boys. The boys, bag of cans with the lads. Gotta get make it home to Blighty to have a bag of cans <laughs> with the boys. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Yeah, I just thought it was a bit tired, eh? Like people were like, "Oh, Frodo and Sam were like a gay for each other." I was like, well, that was funny the first time I heard it. Now, yeah. now you're just. You got, you got any other tired jokes in there? It's yeah, a shit joke. Yeah, but the Babadook. Good joke. What should I say? Babadook. <laughs> that, that's what people are like. Yeah. And it's like big scary pictures of the Babadook and then people like, it'll be like an image series and then he'll be wearing high heels. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> just that's cool. I mean, it's, it's really funny. I like when people, uh, I like when people kind of uh, uh, take, take established art and make it their own thing. Yeah. Look out for the Babadook in, uh, in your local gay club. He'll be rocking it up. I bet there'll be people dressing up as the Babadook. For Halloween? Uh, for gay, well, for gay pride? For gay prides and stuff. Oh, bet that'll so happen. Oh. No, that was, that was harsh as fuck, dude. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, timely news, because gay pride just happened. Yeah, it did. Still, still got a little bit of my gay pride flag. Did you have a good, did you have a good time? Man, I had the best time. Yeah? I drank so many mojitos and made friends with so many lesbians. Cool. I was basically just coated in lesbians. Not in a sexy way, definitely not in a sexy way, just in a like, I'm gonna talk to all the lesbians because they're all in my direct vicinity. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, it was great.